Let's fuck it up. Y'all, welcome back. I am so excited right now because Eric and I do another duo pod. And honestly, this one, uh, the topic this week has been pushed kind of by Eric. So I'm really going to back off and just let him uh, let him take this one, bro. What you, what you got? Well, I've been spending some time thinking about the concept of like worry and fear and sort of what place that serves in us. And I guess I want to let me start with the question for you, Joe. Like, as you've watched your kids grow, have you seen their concept of like worry or fear change? Ooh, that's a, a great question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's w- with my oldest child, the, the worries have become more wide based. Like, he starts to worry about like kids in other countries. Like, he. He's, oh, wow. Okay. He's dude, Here's one. He's currently, and we'll get right back to what you're saying because this is just a silly left turn, but it's true. He's reading about Malala. Okay, I don't know yeah. if you know who yeah, that yeah, is Malala, or if I've even said, said that. I read the book. Yep. Yeah. He's reading uh, like his third book about Malala. So now my seven-year-old who lives in the, the, I mean, the most ridiculous suburbs of Denver is worried about ISIS. So yeah, his, his fears have grown, sir. That's fascinating. So, like, <laughs> what do you what do you do about that? Like, um, because you want him to understand that this, like, you want him to have that empathy, like that open heart is amazing, of course, right? So, yes. like, you want to teach him, like, hey, you know, this isn't something you have to worry about on like a survival level, but it is good to care about things that are happening in the world, right? Yes, I mean that's almost exactly how we've split it. It's like keep the empathy, love your neighbor, love everyone, all of that. But also, we are very fortunate that we don't live he- like in that place specifically. Like here is a safer spot than there. But I mean, I can't tell him that. Like, he- so he's like, so <laughs> he asked because I said something like that, and he goes, "Oh, okay. So like, no one around here has guns." Well, I mean, no, <laughs> it's still America. But this is kind of like my fascinating, like where this this is a good example of my thought process because it's like the whole. Thing I'm trying to get to is there is healthy fear and worry, yeah, and then there is unhealthy fear and worry, and where that line is is different for everything, hmm. and even based off who you are as an individual, it's different, right? Like oh, there geez. are things you have to worry about that I don't have to worry about, and vice versa, yeah. and even if we had the exact same lives. Just our personalities would necessitate them being different. Absolutely. So I guess I've been thinking a lot about the idea of like, where do we learn that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And for you personally, because that's a good question. I don't know how that comes about. Like, I mean, obviously we all, we, we inherit fears and, and personality traits from our parents but like i worry about shit that my parents never brought up like i mean it's certainly my parents never worried about like the looming water crisis for just the, the planet as a whole so like that's something i i got on my own so where does it come from but for you wh- where do you draw the line between what is you know quote-unquote good worry and bad worry is it and, like does this worry have a practical reality like what how do you slice it what, what is yeah and i think worry that's and like real? something that i've always struggled with honestly it's like Mm. i think that sometimes i allow the potential negatives or the worry of something to outweigh any of the benefits this is the we've talked about this before right but it's like oh i don't want to do the social thing i don't want to do this i'm worried about it because i don't know the outcomes yada yada then you go and it's fine it's great it's whatever right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so like i think that happens a lot i would say 
in general, I feel like, and there's probably scientific evidence of this. It's like, as long as worry or fear isn't inhibiting you, your progress in some way, or like is actually more about thinking or planning, then it's probably okay. Right. So like, what Mm -hmm. is the line though, between like worry and then just like logical future planning? You know what I mean? I mean, semantics, but I I would put the one category into like practical concern. Like if we're, you know, if you're planning on a trip, you do it like worry just for the, because we're using the word, like I have to worry that, you know, you obviously got the tickets, the plane tickets or whatever. You got to worry that you packed all the things, you know, all that, but all the practical realities, I, I guess if there's worry that I can fix, then if there's worry that I can do something about, if I'm worried about something that I can actually physically deal with, then that's, I guess could be skewed as positive or at least sliced into the positive, but then worried about like, what if the plane crashes? Like, yeah, exactly. Obviously that's, you know what I mean? Like that's the other side and that that's the side that, I mean, we all have, I assume we all have, and maybe they're just, you know, some sociopaths out there that just don't worry about anything because they're just like, I'm like, I, I guess it's true. Like uh, I was listening to a thing about fighter pilots and how they only want to take fighter pilots that are like, yeah, no, I'm, I'll be good. Like, well, what happens if you fly into this dogfight zone and there's 38, you know, honestly, I was spiraling out because I finally watched a movie and I watched Top Gun, but then I went down. A l- I watched that shit last night, bro. Yo, dude, it's good. Oh my God. Hey, nice shirt, dog. Have you had that for a while? Or is that no, new? No, New it's shirt. New. I like it. E's got some drip going, y'all, and it's Top Gun related. But yeah, like, uh, the, 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 the whatever actual academy is called, they only want people that are like, yeah, even if I fly into a zone with 88 missiles and 300 other radars and say, I'll be fine because it's me. And I'm sure there are some people out there that are just like, yeah, well, I will be fine because it's me. I don't have that. I know you don't have that. We are not <laughs> so inclined to be <laughs> those people. But I, I do. I find myself. There, there's almost always a moment when just, just keeping the, the, the vacation just as the metaphor, just as the, the solid point here. If I'm planning on things like, all right, make sure I got enough shirts and underwear and socks and make sure, you know, I'm bringing all the, you know, enough cash or whatever. And then as soon as it starts to delineate into worries that I can't actually control, that's when I at least should cut it off. I don't because I let that string carry and I worry about fucking everything. But yeah, like when did that start? Because like nine-year-old me didn't worry so much about yeah. that. 19 year old me still still kind of didn't 29 year old me a hundred percent did so like what what changed what is it just because we have to pay our own bills so now we realize that everything's tied together so you can worry about everything ad nauseum just because yeah i that's another thing i was trying to figure out is like you know it's it almost seems like the older you get there's like a bell curve right it's like you as a child you don't really worry about much except like what's right in front of you right yeah. And then as you get older and older and older, like, is it just having more responsibilities and understanding more experiences around you in a certain context? You know, like, I'm not sure, but I feel like it's a bell curve to where eventually as you get older, you start to have fewer and fewer worries. And it's is it related to responsibility? Like, is that sort of – but that doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't. It, it, it absolutely, just, but... you know – Maybe they're not correlated. They just happen to have the same bell curve, you know? Yeah, it seems similar. Like, I might have told the story on the pod before, but when I was working uh, for Thundercloud Subs, uh, back when I would just get destroyed and go to work every day and routinely gave people meatless BLT sandwiches. Bacon, lettuce, tomato. You just got lettuce, tomato. See you later because I'm barely here right now. But every Thursday or Friday or one day a week, these two old dudes would come in and sit down at about 1145-ish 
because at 1230, we would bake cookies every day. There was a little cookie oven in the back. And they would just sit for the better part of an hour waiting for fresh baked cookies because they have nothing to worry about. You have, like, there's no concern in your life as an 80-something-year-old man if all you have to do today is wait for the cookies to be made. So your bell curve theory, I mean, it's hard to disprove. It certainly seems that it goes along with age. Yeah, but even that is like maybe they do have things to worry about, and this is their moment to where just to just relax, right? Uh, like, this is their, you know. I mean, yeah. But getting high before like, bed or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> but I would imagine, like, I don't know how old, like, Vince McMahon is. But, like, he's still trying to run a billion-dollar corporation. Like, Jeff Bezos, yeah. I don't know how old he is, but he's still trying to do the, like, I imagine if you have, like, that kind of shit tied up, the older you get, it might not alleviate it. It might make it worse. You you might be almost too worried as an older person. But they still have, but that goes back to the responsibility thing, right? Like, maybe part of their worry is tied to that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're just so rich they don't care. Like, I think that's also very much a possibility. Dude, and yeah, I, I would obviously, yeah, I, I would wonder how much in my life I would, if I had like $80 million in the bank, like how much can you really worry? Like, and Yeah, I've thought about that a lot too. Like I wonder how much of our worry just as general people is based off like the need to survive like or for comfort, whatever it is, as relative as that is. But just, you know, like you and I worry about money because we're not rich, right? Yeah. But we know people who are rich who kind of worry about money, but not really. Right? I mean, my brother. Uh, I'm yeah. not going to go into his details, but there are moments every year where he's like, oh, shit, there's some legislation coming up. They might shut down poker houses. He's like, I could lose everything. I'm like, I don't yeah. know what that's like. Yeah, I don't want to no know idea. what that's like. Yeah. Sounds but, awful. like, if that happened on a grand scale, on the Malala scale, he'd be fine. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> on the Malala scale, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it's dead. And, and maybe there is some of that because it, it, it is. And I admit this because you know, like it, we're not rich, but I do have a guest room in my house. Do yeah. I have a guest house? Fuck no, I'm not there. But I have a guest room. I have an extra room that if you showed up, I have a bed and a essentially a large closet that you can sleep in with a bed, and that's fine. I, I am admittedly scared of losing that. Uh, I, the, you know, like the level of comfort that I'm in right, right now is nothing special. You know what I mean? Like I don't live in a million dollar house. I don't live in like, say, like my neighborhood has an HOA of like $84 a month. Like I can, I can handle that. There are much better neighborhoods that I will probably never live in, but I still am scared of losing the neighborhood that I'm in. You but that's I mean? the thing, right? It's like a decade ago. If you, if I told you this is, this is where you would be, you'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm great. Oh, I, I, I would have told you no. I would have told yeah. you there's no fucking way, sir. Because at the time, a decade ago, my brother and I had our own little sales business that we were trying to sell, like, oil tycoons, some bullshit out of the back of a truck. So, no, I'm never going to own a house. Like, obviously. So, like, that, the fear that I have as of late that it's not even it's, – it's almost like the, the, it might be right on the tip of, the, of the, the bell curve of the one side of being practicality worries because you can save money and you can do things. But then there's the other side of, like, I can't really – because, like, inflation, like, I don't know. Is there going to yeah. be an economic recession? Like, I can't control any of this shit. So, like, it, the balancing act, I guess, how, how do you or do you? How do you find the balancing act between shit that, like, preparation worries and, you know, prepare, but then chaos? How, where's the line? How do you draw that line? I mean, I'm obviously much more of a preparer than I am an agent of chaos, I would say. <laughs> but there are, like, yeah, that kind of thing. I don't know that I 
that's one of the things that I feel like is out of my control a lot of the time, right? Like I can maybe, you know, try not to spend all my money on DoorDash or whatever. But <laughs> other than that, like there's only so much um, flexibility in my spending habits, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, that that's a good point because like the idea of saving, like, it's not as if I'm throwing thousands of dollars out the window every month on, on frivolousness. Like, no. I've owned this shirt that I'm wearing right now for at least 10 years. So 10 years ago, yeah. I might have been wearing this shirt when you told me that you're going to be wearing this shirt in that house. And I'd have been, well, yeah, maybe the house. Yeah, or maybe the shirt, but not the house, obviously. Yeah. But, like, it, the the idea of saving, I don't know if it's like, and this is kind of a left turn, but maybe it has something to do with the topic. Like, I don't know if our generation even does it, man. Like, I, I don't know that, like, we as a, as a you know, under 40 crowd, I mean, what are we saving for? I mean, I always try to, and I wonder if it's, you know, like if you ever had an upbringing where like savings were important, let's say, or they needed to be used in some way, you sort of understood the need for them. Mm. So like I have spent most of my savings on like my leg, right? But of like, course. thank goodness I had that because otherwise I don't know what I would have done, right? Ooh. So. Yeah. So does that then make you more inclined to save for the future, like in case yeah. something crazy oh, yeah. happens again? Yeah, but I think it's also maybe a little different for you and I, right? Because, like, I don't own a house and have those kind of things, right? So, like, there are reasons to save for me that you don't necessarily have at the moment, I would say, right? Like, so, like, when you were trying to purchase a house, did you save up for a down payment? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the very, very first time around right, yeah. years yeah. ago. But then we just roll, obviously, every sale we would yeah, just roll. Just, it. But, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's a good point. And, like, when, I mean, pre-houses going way, way back when Sarah and I were still in an apartment, when Sarah was buying uh, a car, a yeah. thing that, this is, goes back, it was a 2010, and she bought a brand new. And it was a Mazda 2010. At the time, I think it was, like, twelve grand, which you can't get yeah. a new car for twelve grand nowadays. Oh, my God. But even then, I was just like, wow, this is such a big purchase. Yeah. Like, holy shit, this is such a big part. Because, you know, we were living – I think I was literally working at TGI Fridays. So it was like right. she had saved and scrimped and actually made it work, and I pissed every extra <laughs> cent were, I had away on cigarettes. Have. We're going to go with, quote, cigarettes it's is cigarettes. where all my money went back then. There was no saving. But, yeah, like even that made me realize because Sarah is more of your mindset where, like, the, every – a chunk of the paycheck every month goes towards savings guaranteed every time no matter what. And I like – if we have some extra at the end of the month, yeah, put it in savings, but I don't. I don't do right. that. You're not should. trying to do that. There's no goal yeah, I'm not, of that. Yeah. No, there's no, I don't have goals. Long-term goal. <laughs> stay alive is my long-term goal. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, like, just, that's it. That's most of our goals. But, like, to bring that <laughs> back then to, like, worry. So, like, it certainly seems that they change as you change, right? And that makes sense. Oh, so it's dude. just a part of oh, yeah. natural evolution. But it, it got me thinking about, like, going back to the kid thing. You had to teach your children to worry or fear certain things based off just a pure survival thing, right? Yes, absolutely. So I'm sort of wondering, when do, does that become something that the individual takes over and isn't as influenced by outside forces, or does it ever become that, right? Yeah. When does panic become autonomous? And like that's this, a good this was like a big part of like the COVID argument, and this is a big part of like, you know, an immigrant yeah. argument or almost any like political argument is like there's a, a fear aspect to it. And some people are susceptible or part of that or buy into the narrative of that. And some people reject it. And I hmm. don't know 
necessarily where that comes from if that's something that's predictable probably probably i'm willing to bet and i mean obviously this is based on pulling this straight out of the air but i'm willing to bet that there are people yeah right I i didn't research this believe it or not but i'm willing to bet there are people that can and do use fear as a way to just control the masses because they know that a good slice of the population is so susceptible to fear. I mean, fear is a tool. Like the the it's, it's post nine eleven. I mean, you know, I guess we'll always be in a post nine eleven world. But post nine eleven, everything that got passed and all the laws and all the shit that we still put up with at airports was all because we were scared, and so nobody questioned it because we just said, "Oh, I'm scared. Do whatever you gotta do." Yeah. And that is not the only time that's ever happened. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, like, yeah. So I, I'm willing to bet that that's probably a reliable or at least a, a, a predictable measure of, of society is that if you can scare up enough people into doing or, or if you can scare up enough people to be scared of anything, you can probably get them to do anything else. I mean, it, just like in the late 80s fear of all like the, the playing records backwards and the demonic and you know, all that yeah. nonsense, it, it, you were able to sculpt a society at least a bit. And the way you want them to look because you just, you know, tell them to be scared so they don't think. And maybe that's what it is. Like, fear is, it overrides logic, or at least sometimes, depending on how strong the fear level is. And so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, man, I I bet that's a a relatively easy thing to predict if you have an economics, you know, a a scale of, you know. Yeah, it's funny you you mentioned the not thinking part. It makes me think of, let me find this, Dune, classic, classic work Dune. You ever oh, watch yeah, yeah. Dune? Nah. No surprise. There's a shocker there. Anyway, in the <laughs> book, there's like there's this mantra, and it's, I must not fear. Fear is the mind ke- killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me, and when it is gone, I will pass. Turn the inner eye to see its path. When the fear is gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. But, like, fear is the mind killer. Dude. Like, that is sort of like, and that book is written in the 60s. Dude. And so, like, then that's not a new concept at all. So it is interesting that your mind went there as, like, almost turning your brain off. Because it does become about survival in some way or some sort of, like, mm-hmm. just natural reaction that we have. And I guess what I've been thinking about is whether or not my natural reaction or worry to things is always healthy or is always beneficial to me. So, like, going back mm-hmm. to your vacation metaphor, right, Joe? Yeah. So let's yeah. say you're going on vacation and you got to call the hotel for something, right? Are you one of those people who's like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to call the hotel. And you just keep putting it off or are you just going to call them? I used to be. I very much used to be the, oh, my God, I dread this phone call guy. Now, I mean, my job dictates that I make phone calls that I hate every day. So, like, I don't give a fuck about the front desk <laughs> guy. Like, this, this, this phone call cannot lose me thousands of dollars. So this is whatever, I'm over it. But, yes, I know that feeling. Yes. But where does that come from? Like, what is that? Because it's nothing that's going to cause any issues. Like, like you just said, it's not going to cost you thousands of dollars. What's the worst that could possibly happen? But for some reason, there's a part of us, I think, in general that is like naturally like, I don't want to do that. Still don't want to. Yeah. And the um, only thing that's going to happen is you're going to get an answer to your thing or it's going to work better for you, right? Like, yeah. They're not going to answer the phone and be like, oh, you called? I'm sorry. I got to cancel your reservation. Like, that's not how it works. So <laughs> how dare you call the front desk? Where does that, like, fear or worry come from? It's not – I don't I don't buy that it's just like a social anxiety thing. No. 
uh, and the the only uh, research that I can even attempt to point to, and by research I mean shit I did when I was in my twenties pre kids, I I have been hanging out with friends late late night, uh, wink wink nudge nudge late night, and we've ordered food or whatever back in the day, and like genuinely we're scared of the delivery man. Like, because we're just, you know, we're, we're gone, gone. I'm barely, I'm, I have a tenuous grasp on reality as it sits. But then the idea that a stranger who's bringing me a thing I want. I, you I, I, invited them. You paid them paid to come. Paid him to be here. <laughs> paid him to be here. Scared to open the door. And so in that mindset, uh, for those of you who haven't uh, ever fallen down or tripped, um, in that tripped mindset, you're just scared of any unknown. And it's not necessarily even societally speaking. It's just the unknown. I'm going to open this door and I can't control what's going to happen. Even though 99.999% of the time he's going to hand me pizza and we're going to close the door. But the idea that there's any link, it's probably a control freak thing. It's probably a, a fear of being just in any way out of control of the situation. And me calling you, whoever you is, I can't control you. And so I'm already scared. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And to go back to the kid thing, I want to know when this starts, right? I want to try yeah. and understand how we get there because you literally have to stop little kids and babies from doing things that are going to hurt themselves, right? They don't. Yeah. I don't know that. Like, I guess that's my question, Joe. Do you think we're born with fear or worry? <sighs> that's great. It, only based on watching my children. Like, they would run up to strangers. Like, early, early on, obviously, when they're first, like, toddling around the zoo or whatever, if some other person had popcorn, they would just walk over to them. Like, if they're just if some person is just sitting there drinking a soda, eating popcorn or whatever, they would just walk over, just hold their hand out. And, like, A, don't talk to strangers. B, don't take food from strangers you don't know. Like, C, like, all of these things that I have to now, like, scream at you until it, like, registers that you can't take candy from strangers. You can't take rides from strangers. You can't take yada, 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 yada. I, I don't. I don't know if you like, okay, so let's extrapolate this to, to an absurd level, but I'm just going to take it. If you just dropped a three-year-old off on an island, would it know to be scared of everything on that island? Because anything on this island could kill you. You have no idea. There could be booby traps. There could be poison ivy. There could be tigers. You don't know. But if I dropped, I mean, just knowing my kids at age two and a half, they would have just been like, sweet, I'm on an island. And that would have been the extent of their thought. Yeah, like, and that age is different for every kid too, right? Like, True. Some kids have fear of things or, like, don't like strangers at two and a half, right? Not mine, but fair. I, I take your word <laughs> it, for it. It happens. It <laughs> happens, right? Yeah, it exists, yes. But that's sort of what I'm getting at is I don't – it's – I can't decide how much of this is nature versus nurture. Yeah. And I don't know why I think that's information I want. Oh, now that takes it way deeper. Why do we want to know this? I mean, is it one of those things where we, I think my instinct as I'm talking about it now, and that wasn't a thought I had until I said it, is that I wonder if part of me thinks that if it is nurture, then it is something that can be molded and changed. Whereas if it's nature, whatever part of that is nature isn't really in our control. And so maybe we don't have to worry about it or maybe we could put it in a certain place and then work on the part that is nurture and sort of – does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like yeah, there are yeah. part of – there are certain fears that are survival-based, right? Like truly survival-based or truly health-based. 
Um, yeah. Don't approach tigers. Don't catch right. yourself on fire. But even for honestly. me, it would have been like maybe don't walk and get your mail and slip and fall. Right? Like who? Like I would have. Why would I have known to be <laughs> yeah. fearful of There's that no or worried about that? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. It doesn't always work that way. Dude, and this is uh, a fact, and it, because it's a me fact, and I didn't prep for this episode, I'm not going to give you any more details. But there's an island somewhere, uh, and, and there are. It's only like smaller animals, mostly vegetarian animals, is like birds and, and little marmots and stuff. And when somebody went there, I was watching some documentary years ago. Uh, I was like him and his camera crew and all these people, uh, and they walked on the island, and these animals just walked straight up to them because yeah. they had no reason to fear anything. Because everybody on this island is a vegetarian, so the concept that you would even want to eat me is completely foreign. It's not even there. There's 0% fear. At, so their nature said there's nothing to be worried about. So, of course, by, because, so because their nature is don't worry, there would be no nurture to worry. So mate, does it have to be rooted in nature and then we take it and it, it, either pervert it or just twist it or do whatever we got to do with society? Well, that's a really but good is, question, is mostly though. Nature? Like, if... You know, like you found an abandoned uh, zebra cub or whatever, yeah. baby, whatever yeah. you're called. Would it know to run away from lions? Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing that somebody's answered this question, but I don't know the answer to it. But maybe I need to research it because maybe that is the answer to my sort of thought process of like, where does this start and how does this work? And I'd put it two-pronged. I would I would I mean this is a terrible terrible scientific study that would involve possibly killing multiple zebra babies but take a zebra baby I'm okay with it by the was... way <laughs> Hey look zebras ain't never done nothing for me fuck off zebra we are very anti zebra at this hey, show yeah, yeah, yeah. on America's number one conservative <laughs> podcast hunt all that shit fuck them I'm just saying <laughs> uh, but okay if you took a zebra that was born in the wild whose parents were born in the wild, whose parents, 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 parents were born in the wild, going back forever, would it be naturally afraid? My guess is yes, I have no basis. Yeah, that's sort of my instinct too, though, yeah. If you took a zoo zebra, whose parents were in the zoo, and parents, parents, parents were in the zoo, and I don't know how long zoos have been around, but let's say six years, would it know? And my guess is no. For some reason, I think the one born in the wild would have some type of a natural, just, just character trait to be aware Whereas the one born in the zoo, I'm willing to bet after three, four generations might get bred out of them to where it wouldn't. Do I have any facts? Fucking no. But that's my guess. No, I think that makes sense. Because um, I know there's certain, like they've studied people's brains. These are actual people too. Or this happens with bees. Bees sort of have like an understanding of their natural world and sort of what direction they're going, which is why they can always find their way back to wherever they're going. And yeah. it doesn't matter where you put them. They can figure that out, but I think that that isn't a hundred percent true of like bees that aren't wild bees or whatever. You know what I mean? Ah, yeah, yeah. You kept them in your bee little unit thing in the backyard, like because yeah. people do raise bees. Like if that's uh, I'll get like, them. They could find their way back to their thing, but like yeah, if you, if, you took if they found a new over. queen, I don't know if it would work that way. Yeah. So then to take this absolutely basis scientific research that we just did, could we then as humans breed fear out of us? If we were somehow able to create a society that did not induce fear, could we then actually live fearless? I think, no, I think a new fear would form. 
I think eventually whatever those beings were, there would be something that happened that they would then learn to be afraid of. Because how else would they, I guess, survive? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess because, yeah, if you want to take this way, way back, just the, the early, early evolutionary traits of any and all species, like fear is, is probably the biggest correction tool that, that any subset species could possibly have that any, that any animal family could probably, like you know uncle tony got eaten by a lion all right everybody be good we're scared of lions cool let's move along like you know like that's that's something that probably molded us including humans but all animals since forever but is is there a society that we could create that would be i mean i guess yeah something could always happen well you know the food is always a potential scarcity yeah i think it's just the always... natural part of the world i guess and i i guess my what i'm trying to figure out for myself is sort of where like I guess we all do this but like what is healthy fear and what is unhealthy fear mm-hmm. and I guess in my mind I'm wondering if I can understand what is more natural and what is more learned or sort of created by myself maybe then I'd do a better job of not putting it in its place I guess putting it in its place or sort of yeah understanding what is it is it healthy fear right or healthy yeah compartmentalizing these these fears i mean yeah because i because i do kind of want to circle back because the idea of the societal fear the idea of being scared of a group of strangers and not like in any color white black yellow brown if you're looking at thugs like that's a different thing if you're looking at six white dudes that all have like chains and their pants down their ankles and holding guns, like you should be scared of them. That's a normal thing. But just like a group of people at a restaurant and I'm on the other side of the restaurant, I would be mortified to just walk up and start talking to them. Yeah. Is, is that learned? Cause I, I'm willing to bet it is. I'm willing. Cause at least originally, societally speaking, just as humans, like if you were wandering somewhere alone and you saw any people, you would have been excited to see them. Like going back, you know, let's go into the Jesus days. If you choose to believe in Jesus, it's up to you. Going back to like, you know, that if you're wandering the desert, you're wandering anywhere, you're literally lost and you'd stumble upon any society, you would be, I mean, thrilled to find just people. And oh my God, hopefully you yeah. have water and things I need. But now that I have all the things I need, I don't need that other group of people for anything. Why am I now scared? Because now we have nothing to like do. But, but you do need a group of people. That's the funny mm. part, right? Is like, mm. I think, and I read somewhere that language was developed as a means of like connecting with people, not necessarily just so we could like do things, right? Like, we only learn to speak because our brain wanted to like emotionally connect, connect and develop a bond with other people. So I, I would say we need that as people, but only to a certain extent. Yeah. Maybe. Like I, I guess the, the, the circle of people I need, I mean, and to, to your credit, yes, I absolutely like, I need to be able to text you in advance. Like I, I yeah. do, you know what I mean? Like need it. And then I, you know, there's other people or whatever, but like I do the show with you, you know that yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I need this like big, big time need this, but a group of people that I don't need. I would genuinely be scared of walking up to just and starting a conversation. Just like I wouldn't even know how. If you're at a KFC and you're sitting at one table and there's a group of seven strangers on the other table, how would you even start talking? I am I literally I would be paralyzed with fear. I mean, I think you just start with hi. finger licking good and you just go from there, right? 
<laughs> Are you guys getting extra sauce or like what? Like you know what I mean? Like what is that fear? But the, and be, just that being one of many fears that I think you're right. These are just just societal conditions that probably don't do us. But it's a, again, it's one of those things. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to tell you to be quiet. Nothing. Like, I guess the worst well, that could happen is they get mad and they shoot you in the face or whatever. You know what I mean? So fair. like, that but, is a thing. But how? Let's like, say I'm in the airport. But that's a, but that's what airport. I'm talking. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say I'm in an airport bar. I know no one has a gun. We all came through the air metal detectors. Nobody has even so much as a knife, and there's cops everywhere. I mean, sort of kind. It's like the the risk of a physical altercation is so far down on my. What I'm actually scared of is these people might not like me. If I start talking, I will be aware of them either liking or not liking me immediately. And if I just say nothing, I can just go about my ignorance is bliss day and assume they think I'm that badass in the corner. That's what I'm telling myself. But it's all the- look at that kick-ass guy over there. But if I open my mouth, I could change that, and I'm scared. But why is whether or not the stranger likes us something we worry about, I guess, is uh, the question vanity, there, right? Ego. Yeah, Same I reason guess. I do this fucking show and hope that people have never met listen. <laughs> but it's true. Like, I don't – that's a great question because it's silly. It doesn't mean – like, these are worthless words, obviously. Yeah. But they're and ones guess- that do control my life. Right, and I guess that's sort of the question is, is there a way to unlearn or to spend less time worrying about the worthless worries? Yeah. And then if so, one, how do you do it? And two, what's a, then what does your brain do, I guess, is my question. Because mm-hmm. I obviously like, that way. I obviously like have worthless worries all the time. Like I will just sit and lay in bed at night and just be like, oh, oh yeah, that conversation 24 years ago. That probably wasn't good, right? Uh, oh, God, dude. Uh, literally, literally, I said to a coworker, because we have like a, a group, it's called Slack. I think everybody knows what Slack is by now. It doesn't matter anymore. It's like an instant messenger service. And I was just like off the cuff. Somebody said something dead, dead wrong. And I was just like, hey, love you, man, but that's wrong. And then later that night, I was like, I said love you, man. Like, God damn it. Why did I say love? And so now today, <laughs> today, I purposely had to force it into another different conversation from the group Slack to say it to a different person just so, like, everyone thinks that's what I'm saying now. Because, like, right. I don't know. I don't find, like, but I laid in bed worrying. I literally worried about that for, like, at least 20 minutes. Literally 20 minutes of just ruining my mind, ruining my sleep, wasting my time. Could it, had I been working out, it would have been a better use of my time. Had I been asleep, would have been a better use of my time. Instead, I did neither and just stared at the wall sweating. Like, what? That, that doesn't help me at all. No. There's no evolutionary benefit to this, but I do it constantly. Yeah, and that's sort of, I guess, that is that is exactly 100% what I'm trying to figure out how to not do, I guess, is what yeah. I would say. Or if there's a healthy way to do it, do it the healthy way. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I am open to the idea that you, like, being like, man, I wonder if I should have said I love you, man, is like a healthy thought, and there's a good way to go about contemplating it. I just... Don't know one if that's true, and two what it is if it is a healthy thought or can be. Yeah, I I would I would instantly assume that the healthier way to approach it would not be to dwell on it. Obviously, like right. that's the thing. Like, uh, let me just run this loop for you know it's a thirty second loop, but I'm going to do it for twenty minutes. That's not healthy. But yeah, that's is is there such thing as healthy worry or just I guess healthy reflection to just you know I know we're splitting hairs, but. Is it more – yeah, is is that even possible? I don't know because I don't know where to draw the line. I mean I think there certainly is, right? Like, um, you know, like my niece has this disease, right? And so like to me there's a 
healthy worry about like what that future is and how to prepare for it, whether or not it's, you know, physical things you have to do or just like emotionally and mentally, right? Like there's a healthy worry there and a certain way to do that that I think prepares us emotionally for heavier things. And I think mm. that is probably good. Yes. Right? And that, oh, I, absolutely. And that blurs my line of can you physically prepare for it? Because mentally preparing yourself for the emotional toll is just as good or healthy or required. Right. Preparing yourself for a mental toll, and this is something that, this is just super dark, but we're already here. I didn't know, going back years when my father passed, yeah. Uh, we got a call from the hospital and just said, Hey, your dad's in the hospital. You're going to come over or whatever they said. And I was just like, all right, cool. Like I took my time. I slowly got dressed. I, we got over there. I walk in and the doctor hits me with, Hey, I was the person that was working on your father. And like, that was hit me like a brick. Cause I hadn't done any prep. I, I mean, I was emotionally ju- just, just completely unaware, completely yeah. unprepared. I was blank. And then, oh, my God, had I at least driven over there, like, oh, man, one of this. That would have been, like, I literally fell down. When, like, when she said that, I, like, I, I hit to my knee on the ground. I didn't, like, sprawl out. But, like, I, I, my knee buckled, literally. And I felt I, I could have handled it better. And in that instant, and I'm not, I don't care. I didn't, I'm not judging myself for not handling that well. I don't care. Give a shit. But I would have at least maybe not fell to my knees had I known that. And to your point, I mean, your brother's got some shit coming up in the next however long, and like he does need to prepare himself emotionally for that. Yeah. So it, the idea of thinking about it isn't worthless just because you can't take physical action to dispel it. But there is a point yes. where the worry becomes unhealthy, right? Or becomes counterproductive. Yeah. And that line is different for me than it is for him or you, or it's different for whoever. And finding that line and sort of I guess what I'm trying to understand, another thing I'm trying to understand, I've been saying that a lot, but it's all true, is like <laughs> where, true, yeah. um, how do I identify what that is? You know what I mean? Mm. Like how do what I identify, I yeah, yeah, sort of like where my healthy worry becomes unhealthy or where my like fear of this thing becomes too much or doesn't benefit X, Y, or Z, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the only concrete answer I have to that is once it becomes cyclical, once I've thought the same thing three or four times and I have no, like, it's like a roundabout or, you know, like on a, like if I'm not looking for the exit and all I'm doing is focusing on the loop, that's obviously like, that's not helping. Yeah. But there are plenty of situations where that doesn't apply. And I wouldn't know it. Like, obviously there, there's like, it's, I mean, just for your brothers. I mean, hell, just for your legs' sake. Yeah, there are so many different details that, it, it, you know, knowing myself, if I was in your position, I would be running those loops at all times. It would be so hard to to exit out of that that I don't know where you draw that line. Like, have you figured anything out that helps you yet? Because, like, there's a lot of shit you got going on. I've figured out that worrying – I've come this far, and I guess this is part of, like, how this started, is that I did figure out that, like, worrying about the fact – that I might spend some time worrying about it, is it useful? Ooh. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's a really weird thing, but I think we all do it, right? Like we all spend oh, time absolutely. being like, oh man, I'm going to have to worry about this. And then that, the fear of that worry is like, just compounds it. So I did, I think, learn that like, hey, there's a certain, there are things that are out of my control and that you're going to have some worry, but like spending time being 
fearful or overly concerned about the time you spend being fearful or like that you have this fear isn't good if that makes sense yeah spending time worrying about how much time you spend worrying i mean that's that you're that's a sick that's hell you're you're stuck in a loop that that is but i think there is a certain aspect of us that does that right like oh shit yeah i do it all the time i I think like you literally just mentioned like worrying about the worry that you had for telling this guy Uh i love you in slack like Uh if you were to Uh do that repeatedly oh not good it's 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 not only pointless. It, it certainly provides no benefit, but it actually it consumes your energy. It consumes your mental state, and it actually is detrimental to you. Like it, that's, yeah. That's, so like I've come that maybe, far. Like, <laughs> hey, that's a fucking that's a good start. Like yeah. I've never really, I I've never tried to like nail this concept down before. But I I, I wish we had more time. I wish we weren't doing this <laughs> during the day. Or but that yeah, at I, some I, point we have ever researched a goddamn thing we've talked about on this show, <laughs> so that we could like point to something and be like, "Here I, is what I a doctor said." One episode. Go back to the and one episode, guys. If you really want some facts, I researched vertical leaps and no, we uh, researched the dumb shit. Records. Right? We're like, <laughs> exactly the shit that doesn't matter. When did Wendy's discontinue their chicken sandwich originally? I'll probably know that. I'll look that up, but. That's you know. worth knowing. That's worth yeah, knowing. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, dude! This is a uh, uh, yeah. We're definitely we're we're circling back to this. Speaking of circling back, we're gonna circle back to this one because that's uh, that's a loop I think is 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 worth running, man. This was interesting. Good, good friggin' yeah. Topic. And I'm curious how other people within our circle sphere, pod pals, feel about this because yeah, yeah. I'm guessing we all have similar yet different approaches to this, or different <laughs> lines, or different ideas, and it's just. I don't know. There's something to be learned from everybody, but there's also something to be like, oh, I never thought of it that way, or I didn't. That's interesting. You do that. I wonder why you do it that way. You know what I mean? Uh, I think it's connecting. I I think it's connecting. Right? Like, there's a certain way I think that sharing your fears with people, or sort of like telling them what you worry about, connects you to them because it's hard to be dishonest about it. And I feel like anytime you're honest with people, it's helpful in connecting. So I. I think it's a really interesting way to go about like developing relationships with people. Yeah. I mean, admitting your fears is, is, I mean, top five most vulnerable you can be. Yeah. Like mentally, at least that is. Yeah. Even if they're little stupid ones, that's the funny part too, right? Like even if they're the tiniest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anybody out there listening, email the show. Everything is pod at gmail.com because I, I want to hear what you got. And if you ever want to come on and talk about it, you're welcome. I don't care who you are. You're welcome on the show. Um, yeah, dude, this was great, man. Oh, uh, everybody, thank you for listening and fuck zebras. <laughs> 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 love you, brother. See you next time. All right, love you, buddy.